0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Ed Can Help with me, Edward Sim. Today I have the very great pleasure of talking to Sean Dyche. At Burnley Football Club, Sean has been the longest-serving manager in the Premier League until recently when he left his post this April. I'll be exploring his career, his views on mental health in sport and in life, and his plans for the future. I'm also very interested to know what he attributes his success in life to and how he copes with adversity. And being a psychotherapist, if I come over like sounding like a Tarson psychotherapist, <laughs> just kick me because it might be a force of habit. Um, and uh, reinventing myself as Michael Parkinson is not likely to happen either. <laughs> so if you don't mind all that. No. Nope. Um, I will um, bash on, and what I was thinking I'd like to ask you, Sean, is when you are very successful in a career, and you've been doing it a long time, it can almost feel like it was always meant to be, you know, that's that's my life, Uh, how could it be any different? But thinking about your earlier life, growing up and did you have any idea that where you are today would be where you ended up
1: from where you started I think I think when you start out on a, a career-minded pathway which I did at a very young age I didn't start playing football until a bit later actually about my modern stunts about seven and I got the bug and quite quickly actually I, I do reflect on my life and know by probably 10, I had a real drive to be really good, you know, hmm. real, real inner drive. I, I can't put my finger on why, but I just wanted to be the best I could be at being a footballer. And I like the kudos of it. I like the feeling of being talked about as being one of the best, you know, in my area. So I've been catching in Northamptonshire and quickly word spreads amongst your Sunday teams and your school teams and all that sort of stuff. And I remember liking that. I remember being really driven towards football, I remember the stresses that come with it though, I remember feeling that weird thing about life where the failure of it and you know letting people down and all that, I found that quite tough when I was younger. I mean, you didn't know it so much then, but now when I reflect back, mm. um, but it kind of gives you an edge though, it kind of keeps you going, it kind of you know kept pushing me, that that inner kind of edge of, of failure kept pushing me towards success. So I went off into professional football at a young age, at 16 as an apprentice, and then Kind a of professional contract and then I was kind of off and running and then you just start pushing doorways open really you know in your career obviously it's things like contracts you have to get a contract you know you have to stay at a club you want to achieve and you want to climb the ladder and I had a few knocks along the way with injuries and stuff like that um so I had a full career of 20, 20 years, and then after that, went into coaching, which I really, really enjoyed with the under-18 team. That was probably my most enjoyable spell of coaching because they're malleable. You know, you're 16, 17, 18-year-olds. You feel like you're giving something back to the game and back to these youngsters who've got a chance to have a career. And I really enjoyed that period. Um, it's hard to explain. I mean, I wasn't really pushing doors open. Everyone thinks the pathway from then on was kind of – because I was a youth team coach, then a, um, kind of what they call a development coach – then an assistant manager, then a manager. But the doorways just started opening in front of me and I just started going through them. I was quite happy working with the youth system and then a manager called Malcolm Culler got the job wanted me to be his assistant. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And he left and then I got offered the manager's job and then you're a manager. And then I got sacked and then I went to Burnley and then it all started developing from there. So um, long-winded answer to your question, I, I, I knew I was driving towards something but you've got to be flexible along the journey. I think you know you've got to. You are know, never quite sure where it's going to take you, particularly in the world that I'm in, in football.
0: Mm. Did your parents uh, encourage you? Did they believe in you? Were they had nothing to do with your um, career goals, or were they?
1: I had a very supportive family unit. Um, still have uh, my dad's turned eighty today. Actually, mm-hmm. um, So happy birthday, dad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were very supportive, but not not um, sport minded they like sport but they neither my mum was a, a netball player when she was young and pretty good um, my dad was not really that way and kind of played a bit of golf and stuff like that but always interested in sport there was sport around the family and what on tv and stuff like that so very supportive in that sense and more more as what with a strong kind of moral background you know hmm. If you're going to, you know, the old, the old, I suppose they're old now anyway, you know, my dad and my mum brought me up and, and my brothers as well. And that kind of mindset, if, if you're going to sweep the floor, then it's the best sweat floor that's ever been, yeah. you know, work hard, do it right type yeah. thing. So I think that was the biggest reinforcement for me. You know, nothing comes easy. You have to work for it. So the strong work ethic was a big thing. And actually something that rubbed off for me, and I use it in talks when I do talks and stuff, whether it be sport or companies that I speak to. And I remember my Sunday League manager. One of the biggest things he always said a great attitude is everything, and it's stuck with me to this day. You know, and I, I promote that to everyone. You know, if you want to succeed in doing anything, not just—I don't mean just career-wise. If you want to succeed as a person, actually, you know, and, and be a good person, then it comes with effort, and it also comes with having a great attitude towards what life throws at you. And I think I think that stood me well.
0: Because mm, I know, do um, you have two boys or one son? Is uh, is a yeah? No, I've got son, a, a, a son a... and a daughter. I don't listen. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, he must... my
1: laddies and seventeen, my daughter. So it's oh, okay. interesting.
0: So he must get a lot of assistance from you, just you being able to help him.
1: Kind of, but I've I've insisted on him finding his own way. <clears throat> you know, I thought I see a lot of I'll use the word interesting situations with players and their parents nowadays, and mm. um, considerably different, I would suggest, than when I, when I was playing and brought up. And I've I've I've, I've kept away from that. I've always promoted to. Um, my children and my wife promoted to them as well to find your way you know you've got to find your way so of course advice verbal advice but I've never been the parent on the sideline shouting I've never been the pushy one I've never been I've explained things to him you know explained to my son particularly my son because of what I do and he's now in football it's, it's effort it's everything you know you. I can tell you all I want but at mm. the end of the day if you want it for you that's going to be more powerful than me wanting it for you
0: quite so, so I've, I've,
1: pro, I've promoted that idea and, and my wife equally promoted that idea to both our children, but we're just talking about Max because of mm. you know, being in football. Of this idea that, you know, you've got to want it. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for your mum. Don't do it for anyone else. You've got to want it. And when you want it and desire it, that's when you're flourishing. I've always promoted that to him. Mm.
0: I mean, the pressures on young people, just in general, with social media and that whole raft of exposure, is pretty grim. But for people in the public eye or for max who's coming up um it's tough i would say
1: yeah my kids i think both of them and the family actually have had to deal with the the awkward side of what i do because when you're in the premier league particularly um you're out there exposed all the time through the media and your life and people they don't mean it but they you know they want selfies nowadays selfies is the new autographs everyone Hmm. wants a selfie um and they've had to get used to that and they've you know my daughter's had difficulties with it at times because she wants to be known for her, not for my daughter. Yeah. My lad actually handles it pretty well, considering he's in football and he knows that can be tricky, mm-hmm. but he's found his own way as a person. And I think people respect that. You know, he's his own young man, if you like, and he doesn't rely on me and he doesn't use my name or anything like that, as, mm-hmm. as regards, you know, just because my dad does this, I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm a brilliant footballer. I do it because I work hard, you know. And so they've they handled it pretty well, I think, because it's difficult. It is difficult, and, and people don't always see that side of when you're in the public eye. They don't see the other side, and all your friends and family, or what they have to put up with. Some mm-hmm. some lovely stuff as well, though. I mean, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. My children have very they've had a very privileged life in many ways, um, but there are some challenges with it too.
0: Have you maintained childhood friendships of of your own throughout? Yeah, so I've got a
1: hardcore group of um, lads that I grew up with um, since probably my oldest friend probably tim and chris um since i was five and they're still friends now mm. um another one came along mark at about 12. another one we lost unfortunately at about 30 years old um he passed but he was part of our tight unit mm. um another couple fran and nick who you know i still see they're living in different parts of the country but i still see them and we're quite a hardcore unit and we have been for many many years so I like i say starting at five years old
0: that's wonderful so they when you want to kick back and just to be yourself, and leave the rest of the world yeah, behind I mean, there with you.
1: Yeah, we do that old school thing where we we meet and have a curry and a few beers, and just tell the same stories about a thousand times that over, and, and the fish got bigger. You, know, <laughs> you can imagine, can't you? So yeah. every time there's a little bit more embellished on top of the story. Um, but no, we've been pretty tight for a long time, and it's given me throughout my career and the ups and downs. It's given me a good anchor. Mm. You know, they're they're always there, and it, and the simple stuff. You know, not. They don't know me as football, Sean. They just know me as Sean. That's it. Sean, who they grew up with. So yeah. it's really good for me. It's really refreshing for me. And they certainly don't hear me talk about me and football. So whenever I see them, trust me, that's last on the agenda. So it's very refreshing to spend time with them. And a number of other people, actually. But but certainly that group are very important to
0: me. I think if you can hang on to those early friendships, because they are the people who kind of know you through and through, if you can hang on to them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for everyone, think? I
1: think... If you can find a, a friendship group that, that uh, you know yourself, it's it's hard to explain. I mean, I think kids sometimes now, because of social media and the way it works, they can flit in and out of kind of friendships. Whereas I think when we were young, you kind of you were pretty hardcore with your friends, and you know you stay with them for a long, long time. And I think I think I've done that, and I like that that idea of old school, if you like, versus maybe yeah. the kids now. You know, well, have a lot more pressure now to to almost be um, popular amongst many. Whereas it was nice to be popular amongst just three or four of your mates, you know, and you had a little hardcore group.
0: Oh, it's a great advantage just to you—you were only friends with the people you actually saw, so like real-life people, not imaginary people on Facebook. You know. Yeah,
1: I think it's a real challenge now of modern life. It seems to me. I mean, I deal with it through sport, obviously. My own children, I advise be careful. I don't stop them by any means. There's a popular misconception about me. I said many interviews. They said sure, Nice no, doesn't like social media. It's absolute nonsense. I've mm-hmm. got nothing wrong with social media at all. I just always advise to be careful with it. You yeah. know, and you don't have to justify everything you do in your life through social media. You don't always need a thumb up. You know, you can you can just be you, and and you don't need a thumb up. You can still be you. You can still be open. You can still be honest, and all them things. I, I just think sometimes it's a challenge for kids now. You know, they can. They feel they have to be something different to be accepted. And I think, you know, remember mm-hmm. who you are, be authentic. That's why I always say just be authentically you and take what comes with that. And, you know, you'll guide yourself wisely usually.
0: Yes. Um, I was I was also thinking um, when you moved from <clears throat> player through coach to, to manager, so as a manager, you're the bloke laying down the rules um etc rather than being a player having to obey them should we say did you did you like the change or did you kind of miss being one of the lads the players and a manager is a bit more of a lonely spot or did you embrace it how did you find
1: (coughs) excuse me i think i was i think i was ready for it and i think when you're ready for a change it works you know i was I got to the end of my career, I was 36, I had a, a 20 years playing. And as you mature in football, you start to notice the gap between you as an older player and the youngsters and the, and the, the, the social gap, the, the, the gap just as life. You know, you're, you're now, well, mostly if you, if you manage to play as long as I did, you know, you're probably at that age, probably got a partner or a, or a wife or whatever. Mm. Um, children, could have. And there's a big gap then between you know you you could in theory I mean my kids were still quite young we were a bit late but I knew players who were thirty five and they've got like a you know twelve year old at home mm-hmm. and then they're dealing with an eighteen year old who's acting like eighteen year olds do and there's a big gap there so I think just on a social level in sport you know the, the gap when it gets too much as well as the professional edge you know I I'd had enough at thirty six you know mentally body wise I was fine but mentally I was I was done. Mm-hmm. So I was ready for the change. That's my point. So when it came to me as a coach, I actually didn't miss the dressing room environment. I'd had 20 years of that, loved it, but now it was time to separate and actually give something back in a different way. So I, I was okay with it. I did, but lots of players do struggle though. Mm. I mean, as you'll know, some, or you may not know, but the idea within, I think is within five years of players finishing their career, particularly people who had a pretty long career and a pretty good career, there's lots of high-level divorce, high-level... Um, bankruptcies and financial problems. So it can hit pretty hard actually, but for me, I was ready for the change and I was actually okay with it. Mm.
0: I've noticed that um, you seem to have been quite ahead of the curve relating to mental health and mental health awareness and what you've said, what I've read, Where, where did that awareness and kind of switched on to these important issues come from because now everybody talks about it but you were ahead of the game
1: yeah I mean a number of years ago I think I'd, I was at Burnley for nine and a half years and I think at probably the second year I remember doing a, an interview with Henry Winter and I was talking about the game and we were talking about the uh, transition I mean it, it'll be relevant in a second but in football the transition which is basically the turnover over the ball and, and how quickly that happens and uh, I made a statement then that pressing was the new passing I said because everyone's going about passing pressing being pressing the opposition the reason we bringing that, a few years later, we did a, the same interview, me and Henry, and he said, right, Sean, we spoke to you sort of four or five years ago. What do you think is the next change? And I said, health and wellbeing. And he said, well, that's got nothing to do with football. I said, that's got everything to do with football. I said, that's the way football's going. Health and wellbeing is going to be a massive part, in my opinion, this was about five, four or five years ago, a massive part of the future of football. I said, because the challenges are not just on the pitch now. The challenges, social challenges, media challenges, challenges. Um, just the challenges around the game, not just a bit on the pitch. You know, most people used to f- focus on that, and if they were good at that, the rest of it was life. Now there are two things that are very, very important, and I think as we mature in sport and, and the game keeps moving on, and the finance involved, <clears throat> excuse me, the stress, the pressure, the social media, the, the the media demands of players, that can only bring a challenge, a massive challenge. So I said that's what that's why really. I wouldn't say I was in front of the curve, but I was certainly looking into the future, saying, right, what are players going to need? You know, it's not... Most players now are tactically sound. They understand the game, but they don't always understand what comes outside of the game. And I think that's part of the health and well-being of of Mm. these people, you know, to move forwards.
0: Do you think that because, um, roughly speaking, salaries are so high for professional footballers, do you think that that means that... uh, the public in general aren't very sympathetic to their mental health needs because the idea is, oh, they've got all that money, how could they possibly feel stressed?
1: Yeah, it's a strange situation, that. I mean, I hear that a lot, Um, sometimes through the national media, (coughs) excuse me, sometimes through fans who who speak to me and they say, oh, why is he not doing this? Why is he not doing that? You know, blah, blah, blah. And she now, of course, the women's game's growing as well. And why are they not doing this? Why are they not doing that? Um, And you have to explain to them, you go, look, money money's a lovely thing to have. Of course, you know, we all like trinkets and nice things and holidays or whatever. But I said, it's not about that. I said, if you're in a bad place, you can be in a bad place whether you've got money or not. Money can often cause a lot of trouble. I mean, I'm not going to cry it in because, you know, I've done quite nicely for myself and the family and they live a good life. But it does cause difference, you know, and, mm-hmm. and big differences. You know, if you, it's a strange thing, but, you, you look through the eyes of a youngster as if they should just be living this perfect life because they're a professional footballer and they've got a load of money. Actually, you should be looking going, right, what would I have been like at 18 if suddenly I went from, we'll call it, £300 a week to £30,000 a week? And then you go, go on then, give me the honesty card. Don't tell me you'd have been putting it in the bank and you'd have been wise and all that, because you wouldn't. You'd have been buying silly cars and carrying on and looking after your mates and getting involved in things you probably didn't need to get involved in. So Because that's just being a human. That's not about being mature or not mature or, or old beyond your years. It's just yeah. about being human. And I think that's a real pressure on young footballers because there is this demand, they should be doing this, they should be doing that. And you're like, hang on a minute, look through their eyes. They're 18, 19, 20. Mm. They're young people. And even at 23, 24, they should know better. Either that or they should know better. And how do you know better? You're 23 years old. You know You've been pretty... Mollycoddle football does mollycoddle people. It, it covers them in this this protective like blanket. But of course, we know that you need to stretch yourself to go learn and mature. And if you're not put under stretch, you act immaturely because you never you never asked to do anything. So this kind of natural maturation period is important for fans to remember beyond the fact that they go, why are they doing this? They should know better. You know, it's it's outrageous. They get paid all this money, etc., etc., etc. I don't expect fans to understand everything we're talking about, quite obviously, but there's just a bit more tolerance. There should be a bit more tolerance to go, hang on a minute, these are young people under a lot of stress, a lot of demand, playing a lot of games, the money is not as relevant as they think. There is a relevance, but it's, it's nowhere near what people think. It doesn't solve every issue for a young footballer.
0: Mm. The, the world can be a very harsh <laughs> place, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a harsh judge, mm. you know, especially in a, in a career like football, when it is out there. The thing with football, because it's sort of the people's game, is everyone thinks they know better than you. So you know, as young players, they they presuppose I could do that. And you're like, well, you couldn't, quite obviously. That's why you're not. You know. So, <laughs> yes. but, right. it's a, but it's a strange, it's a strange viewpoint. Um, I think you know when people are like that.
0: Yeah, because um, I mean, as, as humans, we are not, we have not yet evolved to be able to cope with mass observation and everybody having an opinion about about. Us, you in, in this case, so I mean how how have you managed just to kind of keep your marbles together where knowing that millions of people are observing you have got an opinion about you, what you've done right, what they think you could have done
1: better I mean how do you how do you manage that Sean yeah you, you, I think you you try and connect yourself properly you know, try and imagine. The, the way that I'd like to be spoken to. If someone asks me a question, I'd like to be spoken in a certain way. Um, I'd like to be probably informed. I'd like to be given back a f- an opinion. Um, And I'd like it to be honest and I'd like it to be authentic. So therefore, I try and deliver that. So if I remember that, I go, well, if I'm delivering that, I can't guarantee <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I can't guarantee we win every week, but can I guarantee my own performance, if you like? Can I guarantee that I stay calm, be respectful um, – you know, be respectful of the people I'm working for and with, be respectful of the fans, be respectful of the media. That's the way it is. That's part of that world. So I think you learn to moderate your own emotions probably better over time. Um, you learn that, to be careful with what you say because um, every word means something, particularly in the media now. I'm using the media as a specific mm. uh, moment in time. And interesting, the thing about being authentic, for me anyway, is I like to think if people, like we're talking now, then I'd like to think most people go, well, actually, I met him and he, and he was the same as he's talking in an interview. That's how he is, you know, that he's yep. like that. And the biggest measure for me is going back to my friend group, you know, from when I was a kid. Mm. I mean, they've known since I was five, so they'll let me know. Don't worry about that. If I start getting a bit big for my news, <laughs> they'll let me know with no uncertain terms. So I think you kind of find your way a little bit. Try not to get too high with the highs. Try not to get too low with the lows. Um, you know, and you do take a few knocks, don't get me wrong, and particularly through the media. Mm. But to remember... I try and just think, well, they're doing the job. That's their job. They have a job to do. They have a responsibility. They've got to ask me sometimes awkward things. You know, if, if you're if you paid to give an opinion, then you've got to give an opinion. So, therefore, some of it's not fair, of course, but that's mm-hmm. life. Um, and some of it's probably overly fair. So, I think um, I haven't got the exact answer, but I think you learn. I think you moderate yourself and your behavior, try and live a reasonably decent life. Um, we all make mistakes, but you know, you try and be decent around people. But authenticity is, is key for me. You know, most people find that I am this guy as we're talking now. Yeah,
0: yeah. <clears throat> have there been any mistakes that that looking back you think you could have avoided in your you know younger
1: self? Uh, I think. I mean, Willard do a lot and mistakes, but not. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I don't, mistakes, are probably the wrong. I don't do regrets particularly. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things of my life, maybe, you know, what have made different decisions. Um, I'm not really a regretful person. I don't hold um, regret over my life and decisions. Um, I think probably looking back with – I mean, it's easy now with hindsight, but some of the professional sides of the game that were just starting out when I was young, um, particularly more about my profession now rather than my own life is – things like the dietary supply, um, the dietary importance and the the strength and conditioning, the science side of football. Mm -hmm. That was just starting, really. It was just coming into play when I was young. And people probably looking back, gave you some advice and you probably didn't run with it. You know, you could have gripped it a bit quicker in your life. And I'm not saying that would have meant that I was an amazing player because I was a bit of a journeyman, you know, had a bit of a journeyman career through the divisions. Um, A decent career, but a bit of a journeyman. But I think it might have enhanced my potential, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think professionally that, um, and as a person, I think, I'd like to think of, I've think i done okay as a person, you know. I mean, there's there's always things you could do better. But I've been a pretty decent fella, I think, to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just probably I'm a bit out there, so I could probably reel my neck in, as they used to say now and again. There's a few moments in my life, conversations and the way you've conducted yourself, and I could probably could have eased down a little bit. But generally, I've been okay, I think.
0: When, when have you been happiest, you know, are there some standout moments? Um, you know, possibly with the
1: birth of your children, I don't know, but, you know, yeah. is, I, mean, well, I, I think, I think, yeah, again, I think it's twofold in, in my life cause I've got the, the, the Sean, the football guy life. And then I've got me. Hmm. So I think the two separate, of course, the family thing, you know, children, moments in your family life you know that are, are vital and important and they're you know looked at with with fun memories simple stuff actually uh holidays you know kids mm. on the beach you know stuff that we you've heard the tales of your own parents or my parents used to tell me when we were little and you know dropping lollies in the sand and eating them and things like that they' they're quite they're quite often in my life they're the simple things you know they're mm. fun memories of nights out and spending time with people. I'm, I'm very into experiences mate. I, I'm, I'm look, I, I have wealth and I have nice things mm. But kind of, they kind of—they don't really live that importantly in my life. I can just have them. Mm-hmm. I actually like experiences, you know. So, for me as an individual, family beyond my family, going further into me, I love music. I love gigs, and I've had some amazing invites, amazing experiences, and stuff like that. And then professionally, I've had—I've had six promotions, four as a player and two as a manager, and they're just amazing times. You know, when you're in a profession and a team sport, of course. And you get promoted after a season's work. You know, you've got 46 games um, in the teams I played in. Mm. And to be consistent throughout that with a group of people who then get promoted to a new division, that's an amazing thing. I mean, they are, professionally, they're amazing times. And then as a manager, I can never, I don't think anyway, I am, I'm yet to find out. So far in my life, I don't think I could go bigger professionally than getting the first promotion apparently. I mean, mm. that was just off the charts in every way. Group of people, amazing. Group of staff, amazing. A town like Burnley, some 65,000 people totally committed to a cause. And we got promoted and it was just a magical experience. Mm. The whole thing about it, every day was a joy going into work. Family joined in, family were all there on the day that we got promoted. And just an amazing, amazing time. So mm. that was that's probably professionally my, the highlight of my, my life, I would say.
0: Because mm. you, you were at Burnley for... A- a good many years. Yeah, nine and a half nine years. Nine and, year. and a half years, longer than I think anybody else has been. So <clears throat> when um, when you stopped being manager there, I think the word that gets used is sacked, but it sounds a bit blunt
1: and rude. No, that's okay. i am <laughs> that's my life. That's, <laughs> that's the reality.
0: Excuse that. Um,
1: did that hurt? It's uh, Hurt's probably the wrong word. I mean, you've got to remember that I know the inside story of what what goes on in football, so... You know, did I feel that it was it was kind of losing its edge a little bit? Yes. Was I trying to put that right? Of course. Um, new ownership, new style, new thoughts. But inevitably, I'm a very realistic person and we didn't win enough games. You know, in my industry, you've got to win games and we didn't win enough games. So I'd never excuse that. We didn't. And I thought we had a team that could win more. So eventually you've got to answer to that. And that's that is my domain, is to make them win more. So we didn't do that. But there's a lot of backstory to it. So I know some of the reasons why we didn't do that. Correcting it is the hardest part. Um, so not really hurt, more, <clears throat> excuse me, a bit frustrated by it. I thought, because I thought we had eight games to go. Um, we, we could have, I believed, got the points that we needed. Um, and they made a big change and a big decision. And they put three coaches in who were not very experienced. And I couldn't see the logic. You know, it's not mm. about emotion, actually. It was just logic. I just couldn't see the logic. So not really hurt. More frustration, bit of a head scratcher as to what the reasons were and who they put in. Mm. Didn't make sense to me. But not on an emotional level, just on a purely logical level.
0: Mm. Mm. So <clears> now <throat> now what for you, Sean? Where are you going to pop up next?
1: Well, do you know what? I, I've, so I spent nine and a half years... A lot of that probably missed a third of my normal life with my family children and stuff like that i also put a lot of effort into their lives and work life and so i'm actually enjoying doing just stuff it sounds mad but you know a saturday afternoon well i mean it's the close season at the minute but when i got the, the the sack there was probably five weeks left four or five weeks left so on a Saturday afternoon, if one of your friends says, do you want to have a barbecue? It's refreshing, you know, tonight, just do simple things. You know, when yeah. I normally I'd be working. I'd be at a game, watching a game or taking a game or training or whatever. So sometimes I think I've noticed that you need a bit of you time. And mm-hmm. uh, I've would not been afraid to explore that because you can feel then a bit guilty because you go, oh, I should be giving it to everyone else, you know, and helping everyone else. And then you think, well, hang on, I've been doing that for nine and a half years. It's nice to do a little bit for me. So just simple stuff, seeing friends. Today I'm seeing some friends I'm going to have lunch, have a couple of beers or whatever and relax. And So it's actually the simple stuff mm-hmm. and some amazing invites, I must say. So mm-hmm. with the immediacy of, of my life, I'm enjoying that side of things. I've been to some amazing concerts. I was very fortunate. I went to the Monaco Grand Prix. and Stuff that I've never done have been amazing. And, and these, doors, uh, these doors that do open because of what I've done and the circles I'm moving have been amazing. In the bigger picture, um, or certainly in the medium, that's the short term, in the medium sort of term, then I'll see what comes around. I mean, I'm not, I've never been closed-minded about football to just think it's football. There's so much goes on around football now, whether it be media, um, consultancy, you know, I, I do some talks for, for charities and stuff. And, and, you know, I get paid for that and put it into charity. I like that feeling of giving something back. I enjoy that. And then in the mid to long term, see what comes around football-wise, you know. I I mean, I do love the challenge of what it is, um, and that hasn't gone away. I'm not de-energised. You know, when I came out, usually managers sort of say, oh, you know, I was ready for it, and I was tired, and I was run down. I don't feel like that at all. Um, So I'm not run down with it. I'm not – I haven't lost um, the love of it. I just think it's nice to have a break now that I'm out of it. It wasn't nice when it happened, but now that I'm out of it, you go, do you know what? just let life settle and do the simple things and enjoy some of the simple stuff. And usually it's experiences, not not all the materialism of life. It's just catching up with people, seeing friends, and just, as I call it, taking a breath. So yes. I've quite enjoyed that. Well,
0: it feels to me as though you've got an awful lot of energy buzzing around you, you know, in our little box here, <laughs> yeah. bouncing about. So you must have got um, all kinds of opportunities that will arise that you'll be able to bring your life experience and skills to, probably in an amazing way. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, and even stuff like this, you know, it's, it's just trying to give a little piece back, just trying to, you know, well, I'm certainly not here to make up, I've got every answer, but just chatting like this, something different, you know, for me, exploring some of what I do, opening up some of what I do, because, you, you know, you're heading in the sand when you're in football, you're just on the treadmill, you know, that's it, you, you're on the hamster wheel, rather, you, you can't get off, you just keep going and going and going and going. And then you come out of it and it's nice to just do these little things like say I'm doing some bits of work for charity and some podcasts and I mean, media—I've shied away from a little bit. Um, you know, this is a different thing. But general media, the football media—I've kind of stayed away from that. I may may tickle back into that when the season starts again. Mm. Uh, but no, it's nice to just do some of these other things that I, I just haven't had time to do.
0: The, the family are probably enjoying seeing a bit more of
1: you. Well, I don't uh, know. Double edged well, sword right? that, because don't forget, I've been living away a lot. So then you get back, and it's almost like what you're doing it. Yes. So you get that double edged sword. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's good. Certainly, I my mean, kids are growing older, just as people, not just their profession. My daughter's doing amazing at school. Um, you know, she's going through her own challenges. You know, mm. you know, as as teenager seems to be now, you know, anxiety and things like that. And she's dealing that fantastically well. I mm. couldn't be more proud of how she's going at school, and that's important. Obviously, Max gets a bit more kudos in the sense he's a young footballer. But my daughter's doing amazingly well. So, mm. you know, fair play to my, my wife uh, for doing the amazing job she does with our kids.
0: So she's been the stalwart at home.
1: I think she's had to be, mm. she's had no choice and she's, mm. she's done that very well. It's not easy, you know, when you're, when you're away a lot and uh, you know, the great value in what she, she's done for the children.
0: I mean, football is not well known for helping long-term marriages and relationships. So you've obviously been doing something right.
1: Well, it's challenging, you know, life, but you get on with these challenges. We all have to, you know, and, and you, you take as it comes. I mean, day by day, you can never guarantee the next day, you just look to do the right things. Mm you do learn a lot just from doing what you do. And people think it's about, you know, in my world, I know you're not a mad football fan, but four four two and four three three and tactics. Now you go so much more to it. Mm. You're, managing, you're managing people. And all, my belief is if you affect the person, you can affect their performance. Mm-hmm. But if you don't affect the person, you're probably not going to get the performance. So, you know, I was quite big into that. In They're very the
0: transferable skills, aren't they? Um, you know, managing a whole team is probably not that diff- different from managing a team of of anybody, really.
1: Well, that's why a lot of... So I know going to companies, I don't, I'm don't. i not talking yet. Again, I'm not talking about playing 4-4-2 and tactics. I'm talking about the, the environment, the culture. You know, how do you set things that, that are going to mean something? How do you get... You know, we call it nose's pointing in the right direction. How can you get everyone in the company's nose pointing in the right direction? You know, what's the bond? What is it? What's the... What's the you know, we call it key core values in, in Burnley. You know, mm. what are our key core values? What are the things that the team insists upon? And as you can imagine, they're not. It's not playing four-three-three. It's pride. It's work ethic. It's you know honesty. It's authenticity. It's truth. You know the, these words are the things, that, the core values. And you know I talk a lot of companies about that and uh, aligning that. And the, the hardest thing of all, which everyone in companies, every manager, will tell you, is we've all got the right idea. We can all write it down on a piece of paper, but activating it and getting people to buy into it is the challenge. Um, that's mm. the. I think that's the the most successful bit of what I've had is not winning games in that respect. It's dealing with people mm. and making them, or playing my part and encouraging them to be better. But just as people, not just as footballers, you know, and I think that's been important.
0: But the the way that you do that and, and the way you are successful at that, Sean, must have quite a lot to do with the fact you have great charisma.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't really... It's, it's hard to talk about yourself in that way, isn't it? Mm, you Because know, you, you know, you, you know, you, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, I do this and I do that. Well, you, could, you can do that, but you sound like a twerp, obviously. Yeah. But I think there's certain skills that have, have come my way, probably from my upbringing, probably from my parents in, probably a bit of genetics, you know. Yeah. My brother's rabofanyan, you, you know. And they give you, I don't know what the word is, maybe not charisma, maybe, but, but I, I don't know. There's, a, there's an inner leader in me, and I know it. I've known it from a very right. young age. You know, I, 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 I can't describe it. I just All my friends do as well. Mm. I mean, my, my, one of my friends, Chris, who i mentioned, we laugh about this now, but I distinctly remember being in secondary school and him saying to me, um, I think you'll be an all right footballer. You know? I think you'll be a footballer. I think you'll be all right. But he said, I think you'll be a really good manager. And we laugh about it now. We were yeah. like 13. And he remembers it. And I go, yeah, I remember you saying that. And he goes, yeah, I remember saying it to you. So they knew that I was that type. You know, I was quite yeah. bullshy, quite out there. As a young lad, I didn't want to. I wasn't always Mister Popular. I, I, still now, I know I'm marmite, and I'm not everyone's cup of tea because I'm a bit forthright and I can be a bit honest and I can be a bit brutal at times. But I just insist on telling the truth. I think there's a lot of nonsense out there, so I tend to just deliver it. Now I don't package up. I sometimes I can be a bit too honest, you know, a bit too forthright.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's incredibly welcome these days, isn't it? Because now everything is so bland and saccharine and you you know you dare not uh put oh. anybody's imaginary nose well, out of a friend,
1: friend, someone i'm interested in recently actually i've met raw recently and i was like do your friends ever tell each other the truth they just tell you like perceptions of the truth do they ever actually just tell each other the truth and they all seem to gossip around everything it's just mm. telling someone the, the actual truth of how you're feeling it's mm. just really bizarre and i watch and i go. And They actually go to me. Yeah, but you're not grey enough. And I go, No, you're right. I don't want to be grey. I said because I need I need black and white. And black. I want to ask you a question. I expect you to give me an answer, a real answer, not some touchy feely version of the answer. Just tell me what I, you know, if you, and even if it's a bit hard for you to do that, just tell me. I'd prefer to know. Now I'm well aware, and you're definitely being aware from your field. Not everyone can deal with that straightforward, brutal honesty. But there's still ways you can be honest when you can still package it a bit differently, but you can still tell them the truth. Yes. And I think the way the world's changed, and it's only my opinion, you deal in a different level than me, but I, honestly, I just think if people just went back to just being honest with each other, it seems this weird modern thing is to be work around the truth and give people the perception of the truth. I don't yes. know what you, what you think. I'm intrigued. Well,
0: I, I mean, I, I think that... Um, does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense um i and i I think that the trouble is that that um you have to count to ten before you say anything hmm. at all, even you know in the checkouts in Sainsbury's. <laughs> um and then you've got to factor in um the it seems to me, quite a new idea of um of uh, kind of... People, people must be respected at all costs with, without any reference to what they do or what they say or how they behave, which I think, as far as I'm aware, originally respect had to be earned. Absolutely, but now it seems to be entitled.
1: A, yeah, entitled—that's the word. Entitled and and, and validates. People seem yeah. to want validation from everywhere, and you're like, well, you can just be you, you know. And just you don't need to be validated all the time in your life. And the entitled thing is a, is an interesting one. I mean, football's gone a bit like that, you know. And I see it, and but but. When you say that, people think about football being the sport, and I go, no, no, the people in it. They, it's like, well, I entitled I should be getting, I should be treated like this, and I should be. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa why? What? What? Are the rules are? How come you just? What? Did you? Did you come out of the womb and you suddenly were entitled? I'm like, no, yeah. you have to earn it. You have to earn respect. And I think that's. I don't know. I'm intrigued by it. I mean, I don't know where the breakdown in the fabric of society is, but that is part of it. I'm sure of that. Just this fact. Just be a bit more truthful with each other. Just it seems like I say it seems well, this. I don't know. I don't think social media is to blame, but I don't think it's helped. I think, like I say, kids now they they need they need to be liked and validated over from someone they don't even know. I find it bizarre. I really mm. do. And I mean, I don't feel like that at all. You know, people write nasty things about me in the media. I mm. mean, kids go, oh, you know, I I okay, okay, They don't know me, so it doesn't matter to me. It's not going to hurt me. They don't know me. They don't know who I am. So, I, you know, why I'm not, I won't. I know we're older, but I don't know how to describe it. I'm like I don't. I don't take value my life through someone I don't even know and they don't know me but they've written a piece about me mm. and the reason I tell you that I say to my kids I go so if someone writes something on social media about you and you feel well, why are you feeling hurt you don't even know who they are mm. it's different if one of your best friends wrote something because you respect them and you've got a trust in them and you go oh hang on a minute mm-hmm. but I can never but it seems to me like not all kids but a lot of kids now they this desire to be liked by people they don't even know. And I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But mm. then we're of a different generation, so maybe it's just a generational thing. Well, but it worries me. It does worry me. Yeah. My kids are pretty good on social media. They keep very private. They don't do the big stuff. They're not out there looking for likes. Mm. So I do I do, value that in them, you know, because it's not easy. Because mm. they could easily jump on the bandwagon of my name and, and try and, you know, get more yeah. hits and more likes. But there'd be some heat comes with that. Hmm. but they haven't got involved but friends of mine's kids and I'm like, you know, and you know, it's like, it's really tough. You don't want to be patronised. You don't want to give advice to other parents because it's not easy and they feel like, oh, you've got all the answers and I go, no, 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 I haven't but I'm just saying I'll be careful if I was you. Well,
0: yes, I mean, you you say you don't want to give advice to other parents but, you know, sometimes you can be in a situation where you're absolutely dying to tell someone uh, don't do this, do that yeah, Um, and yet, um, you know. Uh, you have to weigh up the, the consequences of doing so yeah. rather than just being thanked very much for your good efforts uh, that's <laughs> it exactly absolutely it. how
1: bizarre is that you know they should trust that you're saying it because you care and you're trying to give them good advice and honest advice right or wrong is irrelevant you're just trying mm. to be honest and you're right you almost think hang on now i've got to be careful because you might then be a uh, fallout I okay oh, but you know me so they trust that i'm doing it for the right reasons i don't know it's a I think we've got in a peculiar place now, I really do, with, with each other. And I agree with you. I think this idea of you, you should respect me. And I'm going, well, yeah, what, what about? <laughs> what You're, is it about you is, I should you know, be respecting? Yeah, yeah exactly. What, what? Okay, what about? What, what should I respect you about? Well, because you've got to show me respect. Well, yeah, but I don't get it. Well, because I'm a human. Yeah, you are a human. Mm. And we all get respect because we earn it. Yeah. But now it seems like this entitlement, as you said.
0: Yeah, I don't know quite where it's, go- it's going to go.
1: Um, and I see it through my own kids and their friends and their lives, you know. And I listen and, you know, got to an age where you're 50 and you're kind of a bit more rounded, but I still see, you know, men groups, women groups talking. I sit there listening and I'm going, I don't even know what you're talking about. No. You know, you're just talking round things, you know. As you're not actually talking, getting any answers. You're just talking around stuff. There's a whole
0: language has evolved, which seems to be purposefully arranged... That no one can come to any definite point at all, so therefore everybody goes home pleased.
1: Yeah, it's a bizarre thing. Mm. You come out of a meeting and you go, did we actually get milk on it?
0: <laughs> no, It's really odd. Did we agree anything? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a it's a peculiar state of affairs. And it, uh, but it's almost like you're saying everyone's well. I I know a lot of people who kind of register it like we are, and then I go, but what are you actually doing about it? And, they go, and then I hear the same person having one of them weird conversations where they're talking around stuff, and I go, hey, we've just talked about this and just it's a really strange state of affairs and you I mean I don't know how you find it but you can't almost just tell someone the truth anymore it's no. just I mean in football it's really difficult you know a player comes in and sees you and you, you tell them the truth and they're like "Why? Well, how dare you say it? I go well you just ask me a question I'm telling you the truth this will help you if you just open your mind and listen to me I'm going to help you here you know and they go off and they tell their agent you know and then the agent rings you and tells you something completely different to what you told them Go, then they've just changed that to make it sound like what they thought they wanted to hear, not yeah. what I actually told them. Yeah. And that seems to be happening more now. It seems to be that this generation of, I don't know, you know they call it snowflakes or whatever, and there's so many, so much good in this generation now. Mm. You know, I see my kids, they're amazing with gadgets, they know their way around, laptops, and, they, you know, it's almost like a way of life to them, which is amazing in a way. On the other hand, it's like an obsession, you know, mm. and, and you just think, oh, well, hang on, there's... Like, I'll give you an example. This is a very layman's example. A friend of mine the other day went to Harry Styles. You'll understand where this is going. And they sent me a video. And all I could see was other phones. And I went, but you're not experiencing the gig. You're actually just looking through a TV lens. And I said, what about putting your phone away? And what about me and all your other friends. Just get on with it. And funny enough, I was telling the story that I went to watch Green Day. Um, I'm really into music. And Stuart Pearce, who's a friend of mine, he said, you must watch them. Forget about whether you're into them or not. They are brilliant as, as a show. And he actually stopped the concert, the lead singer. He said, he said, please, he said, for fuck's sake, put your phones down. Mm. He said, you're not with me. Be with me for tonight. He said, just be with me. Be with us as a band. Be part of what we are. And it was really poignant. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Mm. And, and, and everyone just put their phones away. And the whole energy changed in the room. It was amazing to experience. I was like, I wish someone would film it and put it on a screen and show the crowd. Imagine if they went, right, everyone quiet for a minute. We're going to show you what just happened. And I think people would be like, oh, my goodness. what? What? I, I didn't realize I was from that with their phone up, not engaging, and the energy level went through the roof when they all mm. put their phones away. It's almost like, right, we're in it. We're mm. in it with you. Mm. And I mean, if you just shown that as a spectacle, as a very simple like learning tool of life you go right there's the difference there. By well, all means I get it you you have a little video and we've all done it. But don't sit there all night videoing it. No. You know get your phone and put it in your pocket, you know. <laughs> I
0: always I always um, kind of laugh when um, somebody announces um, you know that they're making memories. Yeah. Um and it's so which is exactly what you're saying. So instead of actually being live and present and remembering what you're up to uh you sort of farmed it out to your phone so that in x month's time in theory you'll be remembering it but of course you won't remember it because you weren't even paying attention
1: <laughs> yeah and you don't feel it then you lose the feel of what it is mm. the smell and the, the, the you know that amazing sense that we all have yeah if you're just looking through a screen don't wrong, i'm guilty because of my kids normally i send them a video I look here i am doing blah, 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 and all that but i, I do pr- quickly put it away and I get involved, you know, mentally and emotionally, the smell, the feel and everything. Yep. And it just goes, if you're just staring through a screen and then sending it and all that, you know, and we're all guilty of it. I'm not as guilty as most, I must say, but I do do it. Mm. But, I just, but then I put it away and I, sw- I go, right, right, I'm in, you know. And I think they come away and, they, you know, what was it like? I was amazing. Oh, how come... Uh, I don't really know what, what was the feel of it. <laughs> I, you, I don't, I don't I really you know what the, feel the video was. I shot. Everyone's, yeah. Just, yeah, everyone's just screaming, all right, but what was the smell? You know, How was it? How was the noise? How was it? Oh, I, I don't really know. And you go, what? You've just been at a gig for two hours and you don't know because it just spent most of it just staring through a screen. Mm. So, like I say, the amazing side of it, these kids are amazing at technology and all with their way around it. I'm just using technology as well. Mm. Yeah, it? that's so, true. But they sort of don't know how to switch it off. They have to do it. It's mm. like an obsession, yeah. you know. And that's when you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have to get your likes, you know, to post everything, you do know? to Be the first to post everything, you know. Just mm. get involved, go and enjoy it. It
0: can be quite... It is very addictive. For mm. I mean, I see people in the therapy room who are absolutely
1: incapable of putting their phones down. Yeah. Um, Incredible. I mean, I, I'm, because I, of my job, my family, you know, my missus used to go, why are you on your phone all the time later? And I go, because if I don't do it now... I'm going to have to do this. It's going to backlog. So tomorrow morning, I want to have a nice Sunday relaxing, have a bacon roll and chill out, but I'm going to have to do 50 emails. So I'm guilty, but it's work, you know, it's, it's real. But, my, you know, kids now, and I'm generalizing hugely, but they sort of like, what, what are you doing there? I don't know. What mm. do you mean you don't know? I'm not guilty in hotel. I get stuck in hotel as night for a game and an hour will go by and I'm, you know, I'm fine. have got nothing achieved. Done nothing. Yeah, nothing. I haven't read anything. I'm just looking at mm. mad stuff. Mm. I just go, what do I just do for the last hour? Mm. I don't even know.
0: Yeah, and I, Kids
1: I, do that for hours.
0: I've noticed that my screen time is, it kind of rocketed through COVID. I suppose, oh, goodness, of, yeah. Doesn't seem much else to do. But, I mean, now I'm really having to work hard just to reel it all back because it is complete nonsense. I'm yeah. I mean, you're getting nothing. I'm guilty of it. I mean, I do it, but nowhere near like kids.
1: But, I mean, I'd get yeah. involved with my phone and then just sit there and go, what am I doing? Go out for a walk or something, do something like real, you know? It's a bizarre thing. Mm. But no, I do find that um, that's coming in football. <sighs> players can't I don't even know what they do I say to them I go are you on your are phone that much I don't even know what you're doing how do you need to do whatever you're doing How? I don't know does someone need to know that you put your left boot on this morning you mm. know on the Facebook I'm Like, what do, you, do they need to know that like, I just find it really weird I mean, they certainly don't
0: it do is, that it is a I don't know I just don't think the human brain is properly equipped for all the stuff going on the exposure the, uh, the, I
1: mean, you must see you must see patient or clients yeah. where all the time when you're almost like well, I tell you, I bet you feel like sometimes. Some, I tell you what, it's a start point. Put that fucking phone away. <laughs> just yeah. leave it. Right? Yeah, I mean, just put do it in the bin. Evil, so yeah, put it in the bin for an hour.
0: Yeah, And let's just chat. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're turning up, uh, paying for it, of uh, and, and but <laughs> still want to fiddle at their phone and it goes off several times through, or they check their messages.
1: And you know, it's that thing, and I, I'm guilty a little bit of this, but it's always really important. Oh, I've got to deal with it. Oh, go, yes. Really? Okay, let's have a look then. What is it? And they go. I don't know. Do uh, you, you know Johnny's? Um, uh, I forgot to get him picked up at school. All right, let's rationalize it. Do you think little Johnny's just going to stand there at school, or do you think one of the other parents is going to say, "Johnny, you're all right"? Oh no, I'm not. Uh, my mum's can't make it or something. Okay, we'll look after you. Know hmm. I mean? it's like everything's going to be well, life or death over something that is so insignificant.
0: I um a friend was saying it's just bizarre. That- In particular, I think with, with with Twitter, probably Facebook, probably Instagram. In fact, um, it's, it's, it's just become a kind of mat- massive competitive sport about likes and retweaks and the actual content or whether it's complete sense or total nonsense has just get, got lost mm. in, in this kind of... I mean, of- obviously,
1: there's some amazing stuff. You know, like, I mean, we're doing a podcast now. There's some amazing podcasts out there. It's amazing. People do some, some great stuff out there, you know, on Instagram. Really relevant. I think Fair Play using it for good cause and all that, yeah. of course. But some of it. I mean, uh, it's it transit life. I don't do it, any of it, and uh, mm. I'm not against it. But the idea of being on Facebook and saying, "Oh, look, I'm walking down the street in London," mm. I'm
0: like really, or, or I'm like, well, you, you tend to find people, <laughs> "Oh, look um, milk. I
1: got some milk." morning. Yes. Or, like,
0: or they, they say it. things like, "Feeling a bit blue today," and then you get uh, 25 messages going, "Oh no, what's the matter, husband? Yeah, you know. It's
1: bizarre. <laughs> it isn't it? Well, yeah, I think, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, I don't need that." No, it is. It is. But people do. They seemingly do. And then you go, right? What were you, What were you doing before all this? Then? So twenty years ago, what were you doing? Yeah, then? good question. What What were you doing? Were you Were you so blue that you couldn't manage a day, or did you give yourself a shake and go, right, okay, let's crack on? It must be a bit like um,
0: when people give up smoking. They suddenly find they've got heaps more time on their hands, because you know they, they never actually considered uh, the time it took to smoke. Right. Never mind buying the cigarettes and going downstairs and lighting them up and looking for matches and then lighting somebody else's, um, you, you always hear it that that they find that they've got heaps more time, which they oh, now hey. have to fill. But if you ask them, if you say, well, would, you, what, would the reason you want to give up smoking be because you'll have so much more time? So don't, n- don't talk nonsense. You know, I smoke a fag, it takes five minutes. What time do you think I'm going to be getting? But sure enough, um, uh, it it makes a great makes a great difference yeah. and so what everybody was doing before they were glued to their phones yeah. myself included I can't imagine we must have been doing something
1: yeah I mean in the lockdown I actually went the other way I found it quite refreshing the first lockdown the real one if you like was I was just I mean i made a joke joking the press but I jet washed everything but it was something yes. practical I just thought at least I'm doing something I mean I'm that way minded to be honest you know, I like reading stuff but I wouldn't say that read 10 books in a day that wouldn't be my bag I'm very practical minded I quite enjoyed that simple thing because I have that much going on normally. Mm. Just the the weird mundane nature of something so simple was actually quite refreshing. (laughs) I wasn't on my phone that much. I was actually, you know, bike rides and stuff and things like that with my music on. And, and, you know, I found that quite refreshing because normally I would be on my phone all the time. So Mm. it was nice to actually go, "Hmm, I'm not. I can't really do anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it made people re-engage with stuff that mm. you know cooking everybody knows oh, cooking. everybody went yeah, cooking goodness. crazy and yeah. baking and bread making and god knows what yeah. um all of
1: a sudden people were it's doing it. almost dare i say old-fashioned it was almost yeah. like being a kid again because when i was a kid you didn't you know you, you weren't on computers now all day you were down the fields or you know yeah. on your bike or almost a bit kid like maybe that's why i enjoyed it I, I thought god this is quite you know making was, things
0: and, yeah there yeah. was a feel of like a kind of getting out from work early or getting off for the holidays. As soon as that lockdown hit, Mm. Uh, and the phone stopped ringing, the clients stopped coming, and then you were sitting around. You know, I was talking to the daxons going, "Well, now what?" Um, it did have a kind of strange, mm. accidentally on holiday feeling. Yeah, and bit I, by I bit it crept up. But
1: yeah, I mean, you get to—I don't know—was it, it was thirteen weeks, wasn't it? I mean, we were lucky with the last few weeks. We were allowed in early. We got dispensation because of football, mm. so people, we would we just crept in front of it. I think it was—I think maybe was about—I think it was like week. Ten, I think they changed it, and we were allowed to go in. We weren't allowed to see each other. We had to sit in different cars and all that. You know, couldn't mix or anything. But they called it distance training, so at least we could go right. in. Yeah. And, yeah. So we were probably lucky, but I must say, by about the first six weeks, I quite enjoyed it weirdly. Mm. But then, you know, six, seven, seven weeks, and oh, as beginning, yeah. you know, and you start looking at your family and they're looking at you, going, oh, "We need to, oh, we're we need still to get here. out." <laughs> yeah, we need to get it. Yeah, we need to get out. Don't we? You know, that bro?
0: face again?
1: Exactly that. That's, I
0: am. I mean, I'd never done a a therapy session via video or, mm. or on the phone before, or never ever. And mm-hmm. I thought, and I knew therapists had done it, and I thought, oh, well, that's ridiculous. You know, poor quality communication. Yeah, yeah. You need to be with someone in the room. Quite clearly, not a bit of it.
1: No, Zoom, not, Zoom, Zoom. Um, yeah, I must I mean, say we had Zoom chats and Zoom calls and Zoom quizzes. And, I mean, I know people got
0: kind of Zoom to death, really, and you kind of feel like you've got square eyes.
1: I must say the only downside for me, I definitely drank more. Yeah, way more. I yeah, mean, not not problematic, of course, but every day I just go, oh. you know, like oh, been in the not? garden. If you remember, the weather it was, was lovely, sunny yeah. weather. Yeah, and I go, hmm. Oh. And you have a beer, and then you have two, and then you have three, and then you cook in. You have one more cooking, yes. and then you go. Oh, I think I've had five. Yes. And then I go, and then I get on my bike the next day, and then it was like another reward again. Yeah. So I definitely did that. I mean, not every day or anything. You know, I have no problems or anything. But I remember thinking, "Goodness me, I'm drinking way more than a normal." Well,
0: day. I was definitely slipping into kind of holiday drinking. Yeah. Um, b- without even noticing. Yeah, casual drinking. so yeah. Not
1: getting wasted, but just no, a casual, man. and because it'd be over a long period, say it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, I'd be jet washing for a few hours, whatever. And, you know, miss are going, going to be yeah. And it was lovely sunny weather. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful, yeah. It was amazing. And just before that coolness coming in the evening, you know, like mm. three, or four o'clock, it was lovely. Mm. It's going, I've one, and it's casual, you know. But then, because it's casual by the end of, say, nine o'clock, you think, yeah. oh, I've had four. <laughs> four. If you only went to have one, mm. Whereas in an evening, if you you would probably have one. You know, if you, I don't know, if you have a drink at eight or nine o'clock, you'd probably have a glass of wine, and you go, that's yeah. me, done, you know. So I did. I, that was a definite for me. And all my mates were like, oh, I'm drinking too much. I was going, yeah, everybody was. But casual drinking, not, not heavy, not getting blasted or anything, just casual drinking.
0: No, it was just... Um, but I
1: definitely had to get out of the habit of that, which once the world opened up again, I did.
0: Well, we will bring this to an end. Uh, but before we do, well, before we do that, I'd like to greatly thank you for coming in today and supporting Ed Can Help. No, I've um, enjoyed it. um, Which is, little by little, um, helping the universe towards better mental health, I think. Um, Fantastic. But before we end, if you had a piece of advice, probably for me, or indeed for anybody, um, to take away with from this morning, what would it be?
1: I think it goes back to what I said earlier. Have a great attitude towards life, you know, and whatever you choose, you know, and there's some, um, some fascinating, amazing challenges out there. And I think if you can kind of re, reframe your life sometimes, you know, with the hardships and turn them into challenges rather than problems, you know, and, and it seems simple, of course. I'm a bit older now. But that's one thing. My, you asked me about my younger self. So if I'm now talking to my younger self, I okay, go, when things feel, like a big deal just strip it back a little bit and go hang on a minute life's pretty amazing so let's make sense of this and let's turn it around and let's try and find positivity from it And that's something that I've learned over the years is whatever challenge comes your way they're usually there for a reason there's a lot you can learn from some of the tough times and then enjoy the amazing times so just have a great attitude towards whatever comes your way
0: that sounds like very good advice Sean thank you very much for joining me today pleasure